Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. I want to start by explaining something about the human condition that helps me understand our story. It's the reality of dignity and brokenness. Would you put dignity up there? Every human being, some of you have heard me talk about this, but every human being has in every fiber of their DNA, I believe, a reality, a truth that exists that says you have dignity. Now, you may not feel that and you may not think that actively. As a matter of fact, you may think contrary things pretty easily. But Scripture teaches us that you and I were made in the image of the Creator, who is God. You are image bearers of God. Those pets you have at home, they're great things, and we should steward them well, but they're not image bearers of God. The trees and the mountains and the lakes and the oceans are beautiful, majestic, glorious things that point to the glory of God, but they're not his image bearer. That's you. That's me. Because of this, we have dignity. We also have brokenness because the scripture teaches us that we were broken in the beginning. I'll talk more about this in a moment. And because these two profound realities exist in us, and before I go further, let me step forward because I, every single week I told Heather yesterday that I've benefited from going to Mission Community Group because somebody says something that helps me remember. One of our members in the Mission Community Group is a counselor, and he really doesn't like this word, and here's why. It's not a denial of the reality of the word. It's the fact that humanity, when they hear they're broken or they experience others' brokenness upon them or they experience their own brokenness, their identity begins to be shaped by that so much that that's all they see in themselves. Or they see it much greater than they see the first thing, which is what? Dignity. We probably ought to say that. The first thing is what? Dignity. Dignity. The way we forget this, and it, and it really is a problem in the church, is that for the last hundred plus years, primarily sermons are preached starting in Genesis 3. Why? Because that's where the problem starts. And we need to fix the problem. Think about that. God didn't start the Bible in Genesis 3. And if we're going to actually understand the whole thing, we have to know that there's a Genesis 1 and 2. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we're made in the image of the creator. And God said about us and creation, it is very good. That's there. And brokenness. And these two things create tension. Tension that exists inside every human being, whether they believe in God or not. And we spend our lives trying to resolve that tension. And scripture teaches us that we do it one of two ways. Following Christ who is Savior and has come to do something about it. 
are following a myriad of options of pseudo-saviors that did not go to the cross. How are you stewarding this tension? Lent is such a time for this to where we can slow down and be honest and take a look at it. So let's pray and then look at God's word together. Father, I humbly ask that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts, I pray that they will be pleasing to you and Holy Spirit, that you will help us steward our present condition and reality. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you can go back to the nice picture. That's so much better. The story of the two lost sons that we've considered throughout Lent is the story of God the Father's desire for all who are lost to his love, to his purpose for them, for all of them to turn from whatever keeps them from him, to come home, to come into the feast, to receive his grace, his forgiveness, and his love. This is why Keller says in the book, in the introduction, that if you were to liken the gospel to a lake, he thinks this story is the place where you can see clear all the way to the bottom. That parable, along with the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin that Bill just read, they teach us that God takes initiative toward us and that all of heaven rejoices when any person responds to that tension we just spoke of by turning back to the Father, by coming home, by coming into the feast. We've considered together, and if you haven't been here for the times, there is a podcast and you can listen to the messages. We've considered together how the younger brother turns back, comes to himself, I often like to say sobered up, and then turned back to go home, hoping to find words to be able to at least be accepted in the periphery of the community again. Yet we notice that he's met by the father who runs to him and he's welcomed back into the family. And we also saw how his elder brother rejects this. And that when he does, the father comes out and speaks to him too, kindly, thoughtfully, but he still rejects it. The older brother considers his opinion of what's going on as right and reasonable. We should not receive him back. This is too costly to me and the family. Therefore, he won't accept his brother's return, blatantly rejecting the father in the process. Though he lives in the house with the father, though he makes it a habit to diligently do what he thinks is the right thing to do, what he thinks the father expects of him. Though 
Even from the father's own mouth, we learn that everything the father has is his. The father's kindness toward his foolish younger brother, the boy's foolish younger brother, is an unforgivable violation of his idea of right and justice. His response reveals the sad truth that though he looks so often so very, very good, his heart is further from his father and home than his younger brother ever was. And one reason we've looked at this together, specifically this time of the year, is because Lent is a penitential season, a turning season. A time in the year set apart for us to humble ourselves together and more deeply cultivate a sober regard for what the Bible teaches us about our lives, our story. Let's remember that together. When God created us and the world around us, we read it earlier, he created it all very good. And like I said, humanity in specific was made in the image of the creator. Created with a purpose, a calling an explicitly stated purpose and calling to steward and govern his creation while walking in familial love and fellowship with one another and together with him. This is our beginning. It is our origin. It is our purpose in the cosmos. When God's enemy, the devil tempted our ancestors and they submitted to the temptation choosing and moving against God and our created purpose sin entered God's creation the perfect union between us one another creation and God was broken but not beyond God's intent love or power to redeem and restore us to rescue us from the brokenness and help us remember, come to our right mind, sober up. Help us remember and reclaim our place as dignified sons and daughters, stewards of our Father's creation who once again walk in loving relationship with Him one another, and the world around us. This is our story, and we're right in the middle of it. Lent helps us not duck or dodge it. It helps us remember the amazing news of human dignity. Think on that this week. Meditate on the reality of you were created in the image of God. And every time you look in a mirror, whatever you think about you, you probably ought to take a step back and calm down. Because you're looking at a person who was made in the image of the creator. Do the same thing when you look at others. It also helps us remember truly the tragic news 
of human brokenness, that our ancestors did fall and sin did enter into the world. And we do deal with that. We deal with that same enemy. We deal with the fact that we are the posterity or the descendants of those who fell to his temptation. And so we have that in us too. But God did something about it. The powerful truth of redemption. That's the third thing we have to remember. The dignity, the brokenness, and the powerful truth of redemption. How our good father and good older brother have done everything necessary. Paid whatever expense was needed to restore us to the father and one another and our right place in creation. It is not just about saving us from hell. It is not just about going to heaven. Those are such truncated phrases. Lent calls us and points us to the day, our story points us to the day when redemption will have run its course. Do you ever think about that? There will be a day when that won't have to be moving anymore. It will have run its course and all things will once again be put right. Remembering together helps us orient and reorient to the Father, to one another, to creation, our calling, our destiny. As we do this, God uses our journey, the process of us doing that over and over again, helping one another. He uses our journey to redeem more and more of the family till there are no more wayward younger brother types or rigid older brother types. Till all his sons and daughters embrace his redemption, reclaim their dignity, and joyfully come into his feast. where he nourishes us. And together we commune with him. Commune with him, one another. And together we steward a new creation. We're not jettisoning off to heaven land in the end. There will be a new heaven and a new earth And we will be there with God. We will be his people. He will be our God. He will wipe away every tear. Death and sin will be no more. We won't have to think about faith and hope because we will be in the presence of the one in whom we place faith and hope. We will be in love in a way that we don't know how to really imagine that word today. We just know a little bit of it, but it's growing. And this is our trajectory. We're meeting one more time in our Linton Mission Community groups, those specific ones, to consider all of this together. Then we're going to take a solid week, and I invite you to step into Holy Week. We're going to take a solid week to remember together what it cost our good older brother, Jesus, 
for us to be restored. As hard as the tension is, and it is hard, and I don't mock that in anyone, and you put me in a condition and a, a certain context, and you'll be better off than me, and I'll be worse off, and I'll need your help. Then we switch the context, and you'll need my help, and I'll be better off, and, and that's life. No matter how hard that is, Jesus has done something about it. And the reason we are even dealing with hard instead of just obliteration and desperation and no hope at all is because he did something about it. We're going to take that week to remember. And as we remember the price he paid when he said, let the expense fall on me, we're going to remember that that's him doing something about the tension. And I pray that it will help us steward it increasingly better to be kind to one another and help one another do that well so that we can remember that through our stewardship, God is using us to help make this home again. And he's using our story to invite others into that good news. Today, as we come to his table, we come to be nourished again by him. It's part of our story too. Let's come together remembering how God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit how the Father the good older brother and his presence with us today have done everything necessary and now we're part of the story the redemptive purpose the redemptive story they're with us now they're renewing us. They're healing us. They're helping us. And our lives and our deaths matter in the story. Let's come to the table. Let's come into the feast. And let's be about reclaiming our home. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.